shotglassdigital.com. this episode of Geek Out Loud, Andy from the Flash Podcast and the Helicarrier Podcast stops by to cash in on his Patreon reward. We're talking all things Comic-Con, Flash, Shield, all kinds of stuff on your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you on this journey into geekdom tonight. And I'm excited to have along with me good friend of the show, great supporter of the show, and uh, great supporter of me, which I always love. I'm not going to lie. I like it when people support me. Gee whiz. Um, he's, he's like... Um, He's like a really comfortable bra. He's just great for support. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce uh, our friend Andy Babacht. Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm so excited to be on, Steve. Well, I'm excited to have you here, and I appreciate you being here. Now, you have some podcasts of your own. You've got The Flash Podcast, which is at www.theflashpodcast.com. And, of course, your Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, the Helicarrier podcast, at helicarrierpodcast.com. Dot com. Uh, tell us a little bit about those real quickly. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the Flash podcast is a, the podcast that's going to cover the new CW show, The Flash, which is a spin-off show from Arrow. And I've been doing it since November, December. So we, we've done over 30 episodes now, and both our co-hosts have been announced. So that's pretty good. We're doing, you know, we do because it's a prequel year, basically, we're doing, you know, coverage on all the Flash characters in the, in the, in the Flash universe, DC universe, basically. Mm-hmm. And we cover the Flash media, you know, TV shows, movies, animated shows, video games, and so on. It has been being really fun. Uh, a lot of people have been uh, thanking me for you know making it a little bit easier for them to understand what the Flash is. Although all the credit goes to all of my amazing guest hosts because I've been doing basically you know what you did, Steve, in season nine of of Starkwood House of L when you did the Brave and Bold system. Basically, you brought in a new person every week and so on. And that's kind of what I did too. And uh, because all I didn't have any co-hosts at that point, so so yeah. Um, so that's that's what that is about. But once we get to season one, the Flash Pocket is going to go back to what it was, you know, its main point, which is only about the TV show. But we will talk about the comic book that is on, going on right now, you know, every month or right. so. And also the digital comic is coming. Okay. And uh, so that's that's the Flash Podcast. And the Hell Podcast is my long-running podcast that I've been running since last year 
for Marvel's Age of Shield, which uh, is the TV show about the organization Shield, and it features uh, Phil Coulson, who we all saw in the Marvel movies, the Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Four, and the Avengers. And then he came back to life. Whoops, spoiler alert. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, we're also gonna co- cover Marvel's Agent Carter this season too okay. on the same podcast. So wow. um, and yeah, and uh, you know we ha- that sh- podcast had a little bumpy road because my my co-host left after just two episodes because of some personal issues, which you know we, it's it's completely fine. But you know we finally after eight months we we got the show back. Uh, you know I had guest hosts and so, and then we got two permanent co-hosts and. Um, and now we're you know we're back on and you know we 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 never stop but you know but now it's more balanced and so on so great that's um, th- those are my podcasts all right well and Andy is not only a podcaster he's a supporter at patreon.com slash geek out loud and he is uh, a supporter at the level to be able to produce and sit in on an episode and this is his episode we're going to talk more about talk more we're going to talk more about andy today talk more we're going to talk more about hello welcome to my podcast uh but you can be a supporter at patreon.com slash geek out loud check it out over that way and uh there are two episodes of the exclusive Patreon podcast up for those who are supporters at the $5 level or higher. And um, there's going to be some changes coming to those pretty soon. We'll talk about those uh, on the next ooh, on the next episode <laughs> or so. But we always like to feature a supporter. And since Andy's on, I figured we would feature him today as our featured Patreon supporter from the Goliverse Wall of Fame, which you can see at geekoutonline.com. Andy's- Sorry, if people are trying to derail me. Well, I can't believe this. Alicia, um, is, is she the admiral? Uh, Alicia is the admiral, and I see that she has probably successfully derailed you with... No, um, I haven't. I didn't click it on it because okay. the, the mistake she did was she wrote the, the, the name of the she video, and I've is. already seen it. Oh, okay. All right. So, how, Steve, how do you feel about this ALS Ice Bucket Challenge that's been going on for the past few weeks? Um, well, you know, I have mixed emotions about it. Apparently, a lot of money has been raised, so that's it's obviously been a good thing. That's, that's really good. So, there you go. Um, I want to read your... Your entry, though, from the Goliverse Wall of Fame, if I can. Oh, okay. okay. You're helping them derail now. Uh, Andy says, blending in with the shadows, Andy controls the darkness. He is the face in the window of crime. Vile criminals are never beyond his sight or reach. He's also got great hair. Ooh, thank you so much. I'm not really proud of it, but you know what? If you appreciate it, I'm going to keep it like this. (laughs) Well, the thing about great hair is you can do it however you want to. It's still great. Well, when when I get longer hair, that's when I usually look like a freak in the morning. I'm like, huh? I look like I'm a drunk mess. Like that, just even though I don't drink alcohol, I just like when I have a lot of hair. I don't like having a lot of hair, so that's why I usually shave it off. Like not shave it off completely, but like leave some some of it after there. But um, but no, I I really appreciate that um, that um, that message. Well, hair talk with Andy, ladies and gentlemen. You can be a part of the Goldiverse Wall of Fame by being a supporter at any level over at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Well, let's get into the show proper, and we start off, as always, by jumping into some emails. All right, our first email on this episode comes from Jeffrey, and Jeffrey writes, and I read... Steve, and I read. <laughs> and I read. He says, hey, Steve, my name is Jeff, and I live in Bonacqua, Tennessee. Or Bonacqua, or Bonacqua, 
Tennessee. I've listened to all Aquaman. Aquaman. I've listened to all of your episodes, just like Dave and Wu, and I'm currently listening to the 100th anniversary. Congratulations, sir. You just fi finished reading an email about Man of Steel, and the writer pointed out how some of the destruction is only realistic. I'm not writing to complain about the movie. I'm writing because I don't understand why everyone seems to think comic book, comic book movies need to be realistic. I'm 35 years old, and I've never picked up a comic because I wanted reality. I love to read comics because they're unrealistic and allow my mind and imagination to roam and dream about worlds that don't exist. If you take that away, aren't you missing the point of comics? What do you think, Steve? Also, I have a nine-year-old named Ezra who can't wait for Rebels. I'm proud to be a listener. Keep up the good work. And that comes from Jeff Self. Um, Andy, what do you think about the whole idea of, of, of comics and realism and, 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 and how much realism should be in, in a comic book type movie or a comic book type TV show? How, what do you feel? See, this is actually one of the questions I got uh, when I was at film school in London uh, two years ago, uh, because they, 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 I was the only one who was like obsessed with comic book movies. So they asked me like, uh, "What do you think about all the realism in these movies these days?" I'm like, "It's, it depends on how much you have it. When you look at Brian Singer when he first launched X Men franchise, right. he kind of, you know, as you've said many times on the podcast, Steve, he kind of re." booted um, the superhero genre because, you know, after Batman Robin, it was pretty much dead. Yeah. So he rebooted it pretty much with X-Men and it was kind of a gritty take on it, realistic and so on. So I think this, it, it, it started there. But I think that was a bit balanced because, you know, we had mutants, you know, which is a bit super, you know, supernatural, fantastical. But at the same time, it was in a world where people, you know, because, um, the mutants was basically the haters towards mutant was basically like a metaphor or symbolism for you know racism and homophobic and so on. So I think that's the kind of balance I like. But then you have you have the Christopher Nolan movies, for example, which is I kind of see where was it Jeffrey? His name Jeffrey? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, you know it depends. You know you can make re realistic superhero comic book movies, but at the same time, like you. The point of movies these days and television is, you know, to escape from the real world. So I think that there's maybe you shouldn't have that much realism realism in it. Uh, I think in Man of Steel, they, when they're talking about the destruction is realistic, I'm I'm not really sure what those people mean about it because that's <laughs> well, oh, I, that, yeah, I find that a little silly because most of the destruction was caused by a giant uh, spaceship. Uh, world engine, you know, for lack of a better, you know, I say spaceship kind of tongue in cheek. Um, as far as I don't know, I, I'm like you. I, I feel like there is a is a bit of need to to have some escapism, you know, in when you go to the cinema, when you go to the movie to watch a film like this, um, especially a superhero film. I, I feel like there has to be some escapism. You know, mm -hmm. comic books are meant to be tales of adventure, and, and you know, and sometimes some of the best comic writing is done when in my opinion when <clears throat> you you not only get that great adventure and, and the great fantasy but there is a little bit of uh, symbolism or realism or you know some type of morality tell I think back to some of the seminal works uh, of years gone by you know when you had the Spider-Man issue that took on drugs and and Marvel stepped up and said well, we're not going to worry about the Comics Code Authority having their seal of approval on this because we're, we're sending out a message here uh, the same thing with the Green Arrow and uh, you know when when he found out that uh, his sidekick was a junkie and even says so on the cover you're a junkie um, but the idea is they were tackling issues that were important and that matter 
And so I think there's a way to be able to do that without being too preachy or, or being too much of a morality tale and still have that adventure and still have that intrigue and still have these characters um, really matter. You know, the thing that I loved about Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins was the the fact that, that you felt like this could happen in the real world. You know, they, they, took, they, they took great strides to make you feel that way. And in the and so when they brought in the fantastic, when they brought in the you know that that whole microwave emitter from Batman Begins falls apart when you really think about it. You know mm-hmm. th- this is a machine that's going to evaporate water in a certain amount of space. Well, humans are eighty five percent water. Why is it not affecting people? You know, but but you don't think about that because everything else has made sense. And so what you do is it helps you suspend your disbelief on something like that. And I'm not even saying that was a weakness of the movie. I'm saying that I completely bought into everything they did. It made sense to me. You know, you could take the term the focused microwaves and jump in on the, on that kind of thing with it. Same thing with uh, The Dark Knight. You know, you had a situation where you had this character come in who who paints his face up and, you know, almost as war paint, you know, the, in, in The Joker. Uh, yeah. wonderful masterful performance by Heath Ledger was given in that movie. May you rest in peace. Yeah, and um, and and by the end, you've got uh, Batman using every cell phone in Gotham to be kind of like a, a sonar locating kind of thing, you know, and he's using it to spy. And, and they touch on the morality of that in, in in that moment and and that sort of thing. And it and it and so what they did is they started a little less comic booky and went to like the big comic book ideas and I thought that was a great way to tell those stories to bring people in and so that by the time you got to the big stuff it was easy to suspend disbelief on the flip side of that you have movies that are just like we're just going to throw this out there and just accept that it's this that this is the case and in those things you have touchstones of reality to kind of help you center yourself in a fantastic environment we talked about last week on rock out loud and and on geek out loud we talked about the the soundtrack for guardians kind of being that for the audience being that touchstone of the familiar for the audience in a in in a movie where everything was unfamiliar and you know in the same way that Mm -hmm. uh han solo was supposed to be kind of the touchstone for for everyone in the real world you know is with his take on the force in the first star wars and and so, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm not like, let's not have reality at all. But I'll, I'm also saying let's not be afraid to bend the rules of reality. Because when you bend the rules of reality, you get great moments like you have at the end of Dark Knight Rises, you know, where you see Bruce Wayne sitting there toasting Alfred from across the way. You get... Um, you you get flying cars in Marvel's Agents of Shield, and you get these stuff. So so you know, let's not be scared to bend the rules of reality, but let's not feel like everything has to be so reality based. One of the great things that I feel like Marvel has done uh, cinematically, mm-hmm. and and they're and they're and now they're doing this on TV with the DC properties with Arrow, with the Flash, is that they've stopped saying these costumes don't work in real life, and they've started saying. Let's make these costumes work in real life. You know, I just chime in on something else that I that makes me a little bit sad because it, because um, you know the upcoming Fantastic Four movie. All I've been hearing about is that we're not going to stick to comic books. We're, we're going to keep it very realistic and so. And like it makes me sad because I was just a kid when I when I saw the first when I saw the first Fantastic Four movie. You know, which I. I generally enjoyed. The second one wasn't as good, but still, like, they allowed them to be fun and, like, comic book and so, and still have that balance. But I feel like this is going to be, like, 
almost like an emo version of Fantastic Four. I don't know. It feels. I, I'm scared about that uh, that possibility, Steve. I'm not scared so much as I am. Uh, you know, I just hope that uh, that they get it right. You know, I, I, I've heard the stuff that you're talking about, um, <clears throat> but at the same time, uh, you know, I I, I trust. I, I don't know that I trust. I'm saying I'm going to give these guys a chance. The the, the creators of the film, Josh Trank and company, I'm going to give them their chance to shine. I love the Fantastic Four. Made no bones about it on this podcast. They were one of my favorite books to read uh, back in the day, and um, and and I really desire to see them done well and done right on screen. I liked the other two Fantastic Four movies. Okay. You know, I, I, they're not something that I've ever staunchly defended or, or, or been like, because I don't know what I would have done differently necessarily, other than with some stuff maybe with the character of Dr. Doom. So I'm not able to look at it and say, well, they should have done this or that or the other. I just look at them like something, it, it's, it's that thing where I'm like, well, something's a little bit off with me as a fan of these characters and as a fan of this comic book, something that movie was a little bit off. Um, you know, you mentioned Brian Singer's X-Men earlier. Brian Singer took the X-Men, him and he, Brian Singer and company took the X-Men in that first movie back in 2000. And what they did with it is is they kind of altered who was on that initial team, that initial first team of X-Men from what it was in the comics to get Wolverine in there because Wolverine is a fan favorite and it made sense that they would bring him in. Um, and though there was a little bit of complaining about it, there wasn't a lot of complaining about it because I feel like that they pulled that movie off very well. You know, they did a good job of mm-hmm. of, um, of of introducing these characters, of telling a story, of making it believable, of having fun with it when the, when fun was needed to be had, and and they did it fairly well. And then and then they kicked it up a notch in X two. Now they still had this mindset of these costumes won't look right on screen, so we got to use something different. That's fine though, you know. I, th- those little yeah. those little twists and changes don't really bother time, me so much. For that time, it worked. I think that the the, the, um, the dark leather suit that they were wearing in the whole trilogy, it worked. I I didn't really complain much about it then. But when we were getting towards, you know, when they first started talking about Days of Future Past, which by the way, I love that movie. I know you look up, you know, you were underwhelmed by it, Steve. But um, but you know, to me, like I, the first thing I I thought about that movie when it was announced, I was like. No more dark letter suits. We live in 2013 right now, which is when the movie was initially announced. Right. Let's get, let's try to get something more, like something more balanced. Look at what Marvel is doing. They're they're doing straight on costumes from the comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, let's let's try at least. And you know they did. I think they did something more, um, more colorful this time, yeah. especially with Wolverine. Like we did get some hints of yellow. So I'm like. Mm-hmm. There's getting, they're getting there. Well, you know, in X Men First Class, they went full on yellow and blue costumes, much yeah, like the which original. Which I original love X-Men. that. Yeah, I like I like that kind of nod, that kind of shout out. It was taking what was established and making it work uh, in, in in a way on screen. And they didn't go tights. You know, they went like with these 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 costumes that worked. And for whatever reason, the colors were yellow and blue, just like in the comics. And there didn't need to be an explanation for it. It just it it worked. But um, as back to his point, as far as realism goes, I don't know. I mean, I I think there's a place for both. I think you use the term balance, Andy, and I think that's that's the way to go. Now he mentions Jeff mentions his nine year old named Ezra, who can't wait for Rebels, and we'll talk a little bit about Rebels in a minute once we get in the snippets. Our next email comes from next Sh- email. comes from Shannon. He says, 
Uh, hey, Steve, congrats on the 100th episode of Goal. It's been fun to listen to, and and I love the guests. Jat is one of my favorite voice actors, and having Jimmy and Jason from Rebel Force Radio is always nice, like a comic book crossover. <laughs> Just a couple of snippets, if you'll indulge me. Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm looking forward to hearing the next show where you're talking more about this movie. The applause in the theater was just as high for this movie as when I saw The Avengers. This was a Marvel movie at its best. I believe it is every bit as important of a film as Iron Man was because it shows that Marvel can make movies, not just superhero flicks. It also allows them to take bigger chances. I just hope we get another Hulk film. I think we it would find a bigger audience now. I believe it would too. I really don't think general audiences understood the whole interconnected universe Marvel was building at the time. Anyway, back to Guardians of the Galaxy. I have to say it's one of my top three Marvel films along with Captain America 2 and the Avengers. This just keeps getting better. Uh, he goes on to talk about video games. He says, I've heard you say you don't really game anymore, but you've done some in the past, such as Final Fantasy VII. With the inclusion of some Legend of Zelda music at the end of podcasts of late, can I assume there might be some Nintendo love? I grew up at the end of the Atari slash Rise of the NES area, and I have no end of nostalgia for the Legend of Zelda, Mario Brothers, similar NES, and SNES games. Um... Yeah, I I should do. I think we did an. I think I did like a Nintendo episode a while back. This has been a long, long time ago. It might be something worth revisiting because yeah, we totally were a Nintendo family with the original um <laughs> with the original uh, uh Nintendo Entertainment System. So uh, we may have to do that down the road again. Uh, he goes on to say, "Bad Impressions Theater, love me some bit." Mm, not much more to say about that other than I hope Bob Dylan pops up and everyone from here on out. I don't know about that. I don't know that we'll do Bad Impressions Theater anymore, Andy. Um, I just don't know. I don't know. I I've, I felt so stupid after that last one that I, I don't know that I can do it again. Um, hey, hey. Hey. Yeah. Hey, man. Uh, congrats again on 100 episodes and looking forward to many more. He says, P.S. I appreciate you taking the time. To read my last email on the shows a couple of back, you're making your listeners part of the show is what sets your podcast apart from me, and I think it takes you well past mediocre and makes it great. Well, I don't know about that. We're still at mediocre. We're we're hopefully by the time we get to two hundred, we'll be to good. That's the that's the goal. So. I I grew up with Nintendo a lot. I had a Nintendo sixty four when I was growing up. My uncle in uh, in Germany he he gave it for me one one time during Christmas, and um, I got addicted to it. Um, yeah, Super Mario 64 is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, but yeah, I kind of grew... Uh, like, I, I, I grew apart from it a little bit. And um, But, you know, every once in a while when I get the opportunity, when, I, when I'm at some of my friends' house and so on, they have some of the classic Nintendo stuff, and it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I It's it's very fun. Yeah, I those those games... I'm not going to say that they're better than anything that's out there today. They're just, they were just a different era of gaming, and it was fun, and... You know, that first Legend of Zelda I spent hours on. I was a Mega Man fiend. Um, Metroid was my jam. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, man, when Super Mario Brothers 3 came along. And I remember when Super Mario Brothers 3 uh, was debuted on on the movie The Wizard, starring Fred Savage. Uh, and it was, uh, man, we couldn't get enough of that. We still can't. Sometimes we'll get together, I say we, being like, my siblings and I will get together, and for some reason, we'll pull out the Nintendo and we'll just start rolling with some Super Mario Brothers three. If we ever meet in real life, Steve, I totally want to have a Nintendo night. All right, well, we we may try to do that at some point. Jess chimes in. She says, "Hey, Steve, longtime listener, first time emailer. Woohoo! I've been Woo-hoo. listening to you since my freshman year of college, so that that would have been 2008. Your show helped me get through many all nighters in college." 
and recently many early mornings at work. This show and all the others in the Goldiverse really keeps me going at 4 a.m. while I'm at work. My Atlanta. My Atlanta. 4 a.m. Good night. It's super awesome that you've made it to 100 episodes, and I'm looking forward to the next 100 plus. I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy on open night, and it absolutely blew me away. I went in not really knowing what to expect besides a talking raccoon with guns and battles happening in space. I wasn't sure how it would fit in the rest of the Marvel Universe, but I think it still had a feel of a Marvel movie, even though it was such a huge departure. I think this movie had a better balance of characters than the Avengers did. In the Avengers, it was clear that the movie was really only focusing on Iron Man and Captain America. Hulk, Thor, and Black Widow were given much less time, and then Hawkeye was mostly left out. With Guardians of the Galaxy, even though it was clear that Star-Lord was the main focus, everyone else was given a fairly equal amount of screen time. I don't... Mm, see, I don't know. Um, well, Drags, I don't agree. I don't think Drags got enough no, screen time. No, he was like one of my favorite characters. I loved them all, but like I really loved Dave Bautista's Drags, mm-hmm. so, and I don't think he got enough screen no, time. No, I agree. I think Drax was a little bit uh, pushed to the side. Um, not pushed to the side, but just he didn't have a lot to do. And even though she drove the story for a big part of the plot, I feel like Gamora might not have got the same amount of screen time. You know, I mean, I've, I came away feeling like it was definitely the focus on Star-Lord, which made sense. He was the driving force of that movie. Uh, and, and man, they were showing off what they could do with raccoon effects in, mm-hmm. in Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's not a slight, and that's not, you know, being critical of the movie. I'm just saying that I don't know that everyone got a fairly equal amount of screen time because I was impressed with the Avengers that everyone got as much screen time as they did. I really thought that Avengers would probably be Iron Man 3 before we actually got to see it. Um, but but I thought they did a great job of, of making those characters interact. I, you know, Hawkeye, of course, was a bad guy for the most part and until he finally came around. But, um, but each character had their story. Each character had their thing happening. And, and I think that each character got their moment to shine. And, uh, and and that's what I wanted to see from that Avengers movie, and that's what we got. Um, Jess goes on to say, I think the development of all the Guardians was great, but I think the Gamora's was the weakest. Oh, that's what we just said. While she was awesome, I wish they would have given a little bit more build-up to why she was betraying Thanos. Drax was fantastic, even though I was a little bit apprehensive about Batista playing him, but I think he played Drax brilliantly, and it was one of the funnier bits, and was one of the funnier bits of the movie. Amen. The relationship between Rocket and Groot was awesome. When I was watching the trailers, I didn't know that relate that the relationship with them, between them was going to be that strong. Who knew that I would get emotional over the friendship of a raccoon and a tree? Little dancing Groot at the end was one of my favorite parts of the film. Aww. Here are my top five favorite scenes in no particular order. The battle scene on Nowhere. Start, yeah, when they're in the mining things and just ramming into the ships. Star-Lord dancing to distract Ronan. Uh, the escape scene in the prison, the fight scene with the Ravagers, particular, <laughs> particularly Yondu taking out all the Kree with his whistle. Well, those weren't Kree, mind you. Those were Sakaran warriors that, uh, that Ronan had uh, uh, recruited uh, with his whistle arrow. Star-Lord trying to convince the others to join him in trying to stop Ronan. That was a great moment. And it was, you know, the thing is, it was cheesy. It was, it was trite. It was the same. It was a cliche moment. That worked, and and I'm a sucker for moments like that when he's giving them their speech, and you know, and they kind of turned it on its head a little bit, and and uh, and they all end up standing up, and of course, um, Rocket has the great line, "I'm standing." We're all standing in a circle, bunch of jackasses standing around. <laughs> There's so much I could say about this movie, says Jess, but I don't want to write a super long email. Overall, I would give this movie four and a half stars, and would put it on par with Captain America Two. I think Cap Two was better overall in story. But this one was just as enjoyable. Can't wait to hear 
the episode. And that comes from Jess. Well, thank you, Jess. And hopefully you've heard the episode and hopefully we didn't disappoint. Isla chimes in. She says, hi, Steve. I just wanted to drop you a line. I'm a fairly new listener, but I'm really enjoying listening to Geek Out Loud. I'm one of the older generation of geekdom. Those who remember Star Wars first coming out in the theater and when there was a Star Trek animated series. Not sure if you ever saw that one, but it isn't great. <laughs> the music really stuck in my head, though, since it seemed like they repeated the same music in every episode. Did you ever watch any of the Star Trek animated stuff, Andy? I didn't know there was one until now. Yeah, yeah. it's on. It's on. I know it's available on Netflix here in the States, or it was. I don't know if it still is. Uh, it was done by Filmation, the same people who did the old He-Man cartoons and She-Ra cartoons. And so they 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 had a style of animation that was very uh, uh, stripped down. They and so they were and so they would reuse a lot of the same, not just the same animation cells, but they would reuse a lot of the same animation over and over again of their characters in different sets and scenes and that sort of thing. So what network was it on? Uh, I don't remember. It's been a long, long time ago. It was before I. I mean, it was before I was born when it actually first ran. I think. I was first aware of it when they were showing it in syndication on Nickelodeon or something. Okay, cool. A long time ago. I, I grew up far away. Isla goes on to say, I grew up loving monster movies and television, especially Godzilla and Ultraman. My mom told me I used to hide behind the living room furniture to watch Ultraman because I was scared of the monsters. And when she told me I could just turn the TV off, I adamantly stated I needed to know if Ultraman was okay. I must have been around three years old. Not sure if you ever watched Ultraman, but it's a classic. Do you know anything about Ultraman? Not a, which we're not talking about the DC comics. No, right no, right? not no, not the not the Ultraman from the evil Earth. I don't know what um, Earth that is. I don't know. I, then I don't know it. Um, I may, I may have bumped into it at some point on the internet, but I'm not sure. Uh, Ultraman is. Uh, it was a Japanese show. And um, and it was, you know, the typical uh, monsters grow, good guy grows, they fight, the good guy wins kind of thing. Um, but Ultraman, but they had an Ultraman movie. They, I guess they had taken some footage and spliced together and dubbed over it and kind of released like a feature-length movie in the States back in the late 80s. And I remember renting it, and I was like, this is amazing because they got right into the plot and got right into the attack. I'm like... This is amazing. There was no downtime in this thing. It was awesome. Uh, I, like I have a, a question, though. Yes. Uh, how did DC Comics get away with using that name for their character if Ultraman already existed in as a TV show in Japan? I imagine the Ultraman... I, I can't speak to this definitively, but I imagine the Ultraman in DC was first. Okay, okay. Well, well how did um, the TV show get away with that, then? I'm, I'm sure no one minded. Okay. I'm sure it was a thing like, okay, you're in Japan. Who cares? It'll never be over here. <laughs> oh my god. So, I'm just saying, like that back in the day, that's how that's how things that's how they looked at stuff. You know, I'm sure today mm -hmm. they'd be a lot more litigious, but now, you know, after it's been around, it's like, okay, whatever. Um, she goes on to say, I enjoy the wars and the Trek. I grew up on original Trek, but when Star Wars came out, it really rocked my world. I guess as a little girl, my parents never thought of me get, thought of giving me action figures, so I never had any. I did have an R2 Aww. necklace, yeah, that's sad. And I had Ralph McQuarrie Empire Strikes Back prints hanging in my bedroom. Anyway, I grew up loving all the sci-fi and fantasy stuff, but being a girl, it really wasn't encouraged to embrace my geekdom. I'm so thankful that as an adult, my life is full of wonderful sci-fi at the movies, on the TV, and everywhere. Since I met my husband, I've been into three celebrations and several other conventions, and I love it. So thank you 
for being a part of my geeky life. I don't always agree with your assessment of movies and TV, i.e. I love Deep Space Nine and Babylon 5, but didn't like the latest Superman. But I enjoy hearing your take on things and laughing along with you. Well, that's the beauty of, of what we do here. It's like you can have a different opinion. That's fine. That's fine. We don't have to agree on stuff, but, you know, we just don't have to be jerks about it either. So, uh, our happy news is we just showed my husband's 22-year-old daughter, who did not live with him when she grew up, all six Star Wars movie in the alternate order, four, five, one, two, three, six. She is officially a fan now. Immediately started looking for Star Wars Halloween costumes and tattoos. She'll be at Celebration Anaheim with us next spring. May the Force be with you, freaking Pegasus. And that's from Isla. So, um, Isla... Freaking Pegasus! Freaking Pegasus! Um, we are freaking Pegasus! Good night! Good night! Good night! Um, and then some. And then some. <laughs> uh, I wonder, Isla, did you guys meet me at Celebration at all? Did you even know who I was at that point? Anyhow, uh, if, if I make it to Anaheim, make sure you seek me out and come meet me. Jason Scavidel, the road manager, publicist for Freaking Pegasus. Speaking of Freaking Pegasus, says two have two further of, of the band is on air right now, Steve. That, well, yeah, yeah. Well, I am part of it. You, uh, Jason made me part of it. Yeah, Jason <laughs> made you part of it. Well, he didn't have that meeting with us though. Well, Steve, it's me. Come on, I think we. In our relation right now, I think we moved past that soon. I think we can do, you know, we don't have to get together all the time. You know, we just threw me in in the group, and then we're like, yay, we're, he's in. Okay. I mean, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to kick you out here in front of everybody, Andy, but I'm just saying <laughs> it was never brought to the founding members of freaking oh, Pegasus. Well, I stood in the window, and I held up a note and said, I'm in. But you wouldn't let me in. You, you kept talking about... Yoda, Yoda versus Vader, uh, um, I think. And then, have you ever had a discussion though with anyone? What what discussion? Yoda versus Darth Vader. What about him? W who would win? Oh man, that's a. Which Vader are we talking? Are we talking Vader before or after the armor? After. Okay. Um. I don't. Mm, I, I, my my heart wants to say Yoda, but I don't know. I, I really don't know. I I don't know if um if uh, if 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 he could take Vader or not. It just I think it just depends. I think it all depends on um I, on I don't know. I guess it depends on if Yoda had his Wheaties that day or not. What do you Am think? I, um oh uh. But see, that's the thing. Like my 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 brain is saying Vader, mm -hmm. but my heart says Yoda too. But yeah. but Admiral puts it a good question. Which Yoda? Um, I think she's wondering. Um, I think she's wondering if it's like the prequel Yoda or the the sequel or the original Yoda. Um, and by the way, I'm the drummer. By the way, um, but I I would say Yoda because like hasn't he been technically part of the force much longer than Vader? Well, yeah. I mean, like, not even technically. I mean, you just do normal math. He was over 800 years old. Well, there we, then I, I think Yoda would win. Mm -hmm. And, it, like, I don't even care about his size. I think he would win. You know, the well, longer you've been part of the force, the more stability you have over it. Mm -hmm. I don't, And also because of Vader, he kind of, if I may say to myself, he kind of lost his mind a little bit after the accident in episode three. So I would... There's no way I would... I, I would ever say that Darth Vader would be stronger than Yoda. 
Well, you know, I, I, but again, you got to consider Vader is, you know, Anakin. Vader is a chosen one. True, but but could could the chosen one still defeat someone that is that powerful within the Force? Uh, well, but Vader was powerful in the Force as well. I think all you Star Wars podcasts needs to get together and talk about this because this is a serious matter now to me. This is a serious matter. Well, <laughs> okay, here's here's how I'd break it down. If you're talking about Yoda from the Clone Wars era, uh, Revenge of the Sith Yoda versus that Darth Vader, I don't know that Yoda could beat him. I don't know that... Uh, and therefore, I don't know that old Yoda from Empire Strikes Back slash Return of the Jedi could beat Vader either. Um... I, I think I've got to give it to Vader. Wow. I'm sorry that brought the question. Did that derail you? It just, well, I just, okay. I can't believe I said Vader. I guess I give it to Yoda. I don't know. I really don't know. Okay, we need to we need to get Michael Cohen and the rest of the Star Wars podcast community in to, on this. because talk about it. This, I'm actually seriously wondering now. Like, I need we need to call George Lucas for me and he can probably answer it. Yeah, well, you know, don't lose sleep over it. I think it's too late. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, Jason says, he says, hey, Steve and co-host, that's you, Andy. That's me. Yeah, he says, firstly, August 20th, that's today, marks my 20th birthday. And it's Happy also, birthday. Yeah, and it's also the eve of me beginning my classes at film school. That being Ooh. said, a birthday shout-out or possibly a song would be greatly appreciated for my number one favorite podcast on the interwebs. Well, that depends, Jason. Who's your number one favorite podcast on the interwebs? Because I don't know if I have connections to those people to, to do that for you or not. So, uh, whatever. Big shout out to Jason on his birthday. Happy birthday, man. Happy 20th. Here's to 20 more. And more than that, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Say it's your birthday. Yeah, I don't know the words. I'm glad it's your birthday. That's what they say there. So happy birthday to you! Happy, happiest birth, happiest of birthdays to you, Jason. Yeah, Jason. Hope it's a great one and uh, best of wishes to you on your birthday. He goes on. He says another question, like my last question about film slash storytelling theory. Within about the last two decades, remakes and reboots have increased with each passing year. On top of that, a common trait of today's film is to be films rather is to be based off of another story or loosely based on another plot. Sequels are assumed for almost every feature now, and trilogies that are rarely warranted are second nature. The Hangover, anyone? My question for you is based more toward the reboots of late. Godzilla, the two Planet of the Eight films, Amazing Spider-Man, etc. As well as the current stream of films adapted from comics and the other movies, the Marvel Studios films, superhero films as a whole, and all these overused moronic movies about some stupid dystopian future involving some kind of faction where a small group of teenagers are the only ones who can keep who can stop it. Sorry about the brief rant, he says. Anyway, what in your opinion are some of the key steps it takes to make a successful film reboot and or a film that is based from previous ideas and or based from previous ideas and stories? What separates the better remake slash reboots like Apes and Godzilla? 
from things like Ninja Turtles, which I didn't really like, he says, Clash of the Titans, the G.I. Joe films. He says, I haven't seen the second one, so I can't say if it's bad or not. And the Tim Burton plan of the apes. Is there a formula that can guarantee a good remake? What do you think, Andy? Oh, this this was a deep question. Um, what is what separates? Hmm. It's it's a great comparison. I, I like the I like the idea of you know. Let's just take what I, separates. I, well, let's take this question. Let's 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 narrow it down to mm-hmm. an actual franchise. What separates something like Rise of the Planet of the Apes from Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes? Okay, um which studio made each film? I have no idea. Okay, let me Do you, do you it think up. it's a studio thing and not a storytelling <laughs> yes, thing? Yes, I think it's sometimes a studio thing because I I happen to know that sometimes within Warner Brothers, you know, they not to slam them or anything because I love Warner Brothers um, and I'm not talking about Warner Brothers television because I think there's a difference there between the television division and the movie division. I think television is a bit more freely. The, the, the movie division, however, I've heard that the executive really likes to get into the script and it's, you know, it, that's what I've heard about Green Lantern. I had a friend who was a publicist at WB and that person said that um, they they were part of the, you know, what was going on within that production and they heard that there was a lot of problems with you know that the executives wanted to do this they wanted to do that and so on and so on so i think i think sometimes it can be a studio thing but not not always yeah i you know i saw the tim burton playing the apes when it came out in theaters and you know i walked out i didn't hate it i i wasn't like oh that is terrible that is just ridiculous crap um but i i never saw it again you know, I, I never had the desire to watch it again. Um, honestly, same thing with Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I never watched it again. Not that it wasn't good. I, rem- I remember it affected me a lot more than Planet than Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes did. Uh, you know, I, I think in some ways that you've got to... I come back to you trust your source material. There, You know, with the Planet of the Apes especially, there's something there that resonated with people all those years ago with the Charlton Heston film and then the subsequent Planet of the Apes films. Um, you know, the, the, there were there are people to this day who are just Planet of the Apes nuts, and, and they're so into that movie. And, and, uh, and, and so I don't know necessarily what, it, what the touchstone for people is with those films because it's not there with me necessarily. I'm not saying they're bad movies. I'm just saying, you know, they're... they're They've never really been my cup of tea. Um, mm-hmm. As far as the Godzilla stuff goes, you know, a lot of people are split down the middle on this on the new Godzilla. I I liked it, I really did. I could have I would have enjoyed a little bit more of Godzilla actually doing stuff other than swimming, and that's not being snarky. That's not being, you know, overly critical. I'm saying that I would have enjoyed that, but I thought they told a wonderful story. I was invested in the dude getting back to his family from from the get-go. The minute the kid says, are you going to be back home? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you better get home. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, they they took it seriously. They they paid the right attention to what worked in in the original source material, in that original Godzilla movie, in Gojira. They they made they paid attention to what the undertones of that movie were, what it was about, and what made it work for that audience back then. Because though times have changed and though technology has changed, 
there are still some basic things about humanity I think that work. The G.I. Joe films, you know, which were based on a cartoon, I don't I I think they I think the first one fell apart a little bit for people because I don't know why, you know. I, I like I know I watched it and I enjoyed it and all I could sit there and think was this is one of the greatest eighty movies eighties movies ever made. You know, and because and then I was like, and somebody's seen Star Wars. Um because of all the stuff that goes on like there's a there's a big circular base and they're flying through a trench to go blow it up even though it's underwater not in space and um i you know it's i think that i think that with gi joe one of the things that put me off about that first film was all the connections they feel like they had to make between the characters rather than just you know let the characters make their connections as they met as joe's kind of thing um, in in the old cartoon, you never worried about that. It's like here's the GI Joe crew. I also don't know that they paid much attention to Larry Hama's comic book material, which I think was a mistake. I think they should have paid a little bit of attention to that. And so I feel like maybe it was just like, well, these were the toys, these were the characters. All right, let's do this with that one. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't say too much about um, GI Joe. I only seen the second movie, and that was uh, on my trip to San Diego last year, and. Mm-hmm. That's actually when I actually started liking The Rock a lot more as an actor. Yeah. And also another actor who we will talk about in a bit, I think. Yeah. Uh, Clash of the Titans, he mentions. And I never saw the remake of Clash of the Titans. The first one, the original Clash of the Titans, is so much fun to watch just because of the effects. It's it's uh, Ray Harryhausen type stuff, stop motion stuff. And it's very... Um, Man, they just throw everything mythologically at the wall, which is so much fun. And I never saw the Clash of the Titans remake to know if it was any good or not, so I can't really speak to that. You know, I think it's just a matter of good storytelling. I think that's what it really comes down to. I think you've got to tell a good story. I think you've got to trust your audience with some things. And I think that if you're if you're rebooting something or remaking something, there's a reason you're doing it. And it's because it resonated with audiences a while ago, and, you're, and the hope is that it'll do so again. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the reboots I think that, that actually worked that a lot of people didn't like that I was surprised that I liked was the Karate Kid, um, when they, or the remake rather, uh, the Karate Kid with, uh, Jay, Jaden Smith, I think is Will Smith's yeah, son's name. That's it. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and, and Jackie Chan, you know, it should have been the Kung Fu Kid cause they weren't really doing karate. They were doing Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but as a movie and as a story, I just bought into it and absolutely loved it from the get go. You know, I found myself just being charmed by this kid and and really liking the story and appreciating what they did. Um. Finally, uh, he says, if you can get this question, it's a bit uh, or uh, a, a bit more of a '90s era question. Did you ever read or were a fan of the Goosebumps series by R.L. Stein? I'm just going to say no, I wasn't. Um, did you ever read those, Andy? I don't know what they it were. Kind is. of like horror. Uh, they were they were little uh, young adult novels that were um, like uh, horror film horror 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 stories for kids, ghost stories, monster stories, that sort of thing. I think I may have a friend who's like yeah. very into them, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, he says, uh, as you may know, either way, the series of books which were usually one-shot stories of a ghost, creature, monster, puppet, or otherwise terrifying entity that usually affected a young teen in some way, shape, or form, all of which usually end up in some kind of twist at the end. What's a twist? These books were both a great form of entertainment for me as well as a means of teaching me to read as a young homeschooler. 
Within the past few months, it was announced that the film was being made directed toward the series, not based on any particular book, but on R.L. Stein himself. Uh, what's really interesting to me is Stein will be portrayed by Jack Black, who has always been one of my favorites. What are your thoughts on the series slash upcoming film? I don't really have a thought on that. I, I think uh, I like Jack Black, and, and as, as I know more and see more, I might be into it. I might not. I don't know. I can't really speak to it because I wasn't a big fan of the uh, the Goosebumps. I didn't. I knew I was aware of them, but I can't. I've never read a Goosebumps book, so. They were a little bit after my time, man. Is is what? By the time the Goosebumps were around, I was digging into the Star Wars EU. So, I was I was in a galaxy far, far away. He says, anyways, thanks for reading. Congrats again on 100 episodes. And sorry, this email isn't longer. <laughs> Happily, one of the Guardians. <laughs> and that's Jason, the manager and uh, publicist for freaking, freaking Pegasus. Pegasus. Well, that's going to... We're supposed to say it together. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I apologize. No, I didn't know you wanted no. to say it together. Yeah, it's all right. All right. It's all right. I thought we were reading our, each other's minds and so on, but hey. No, it, I don't... Hey, it's all right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. No, it's... I forgive you. I All always right. forgive you. Well, that's that's going to wrap it up for emails. We'll get into some snippets after this. Hey, folks. I'm Jason. And I'm Dan. And we're here to tell you about our podcast, Flicks. Flicks is a podcast that reviews the biggest movies hitting the theaters, such as... Captain America, Winter Soldier. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Amazing Spider-Man. Godzilla. Dolphin Tale 2. What? No. Why would we review Dolphin Tale 2? The first one had Morgan Freeman in it. Morgan Freeman works with Batman. Anyway, we don't only cover the latest, we also cover the greatest. When there isn't a blockbuster hitting the local theater, we're talking about some of our favorites from the past. Movies like The Goonies. Star Wars, featuring Steve Lawson. Gremlins. Terminator. National Lampoon's Vacation. The Last Airbender. Dude, no one liked The Last Airbender. You did. Stop derailing the promo. Now, why should you listen to our show out of all the other movie review podcasts out there? Because we really do love the movies we talk about. And because every couple of years, Steve Glosson comes on and talks Star Wars. Seriously, dude. Hey, know your audience. Fair enough. Listen to Flick's podcast because we know Steve. it's time for some snippets really quickly andy we're gonna blow through these as fast as possible okay all right all right snippet star wars rebel the spark of rebellion will be available first uh on watchdisneyxd.com now this is the uh i don't know if it's two hours maybe an hour long kind of one, deb- hour. one hour debut for star wars rebels it's going to be available on watchdisneyxd.com and the watch disney xd app on monday september 29th now you have to be a verified user to, to use that. In other words, they'll make you, you know, sign in through your cable provider and that sort of thing. Uh, but the global television debut is set for Friday, October 3rd on Disney channels around the world. And the show proper will begin on Monday, October 13th at 9 p.m. on Disney XD. I'm really looking forward to Rebels. Andy, how about you? I'm super excited about Rebels. I saw a seven-minute preview on The Hollywood Reporter the other day. The thing that kind of confused me is that they're 
Okay, so because it's on Disney, I, I expected that it was actually going to be on weekends, mm-hmm. you know, maybe like Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, I did too. But, but, but they're doing this, uh, okay, the, the one hour movie on Friday, October 3rd, 9 p.m., um, and then they're going to launch it on this regular uh, time slot, Monday nights on 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. too, and it's, that is, <laughs> that is such a, like, different, because I remember Star Wars Clone Wars being on Saturdays at 10 10 a.m. on Cartoon Network, and and so on. So I'm like I'm used to watching cartoons in the in the morning or whatever. Mm-hmm, right. But hey, you know what? I think this is you know as long as kids can watch it too at 9 p.m. That's the thing because I want a lot of kids to watch this sure, too. Sure. Sure. Well, you know, um, I, they'll probably re-air it. I would imagine if they're smart, they'll re-air it uh, on on a Saturday. You know, Cartoon Network with the Clone Wars, they started on Friday nights at eight. And they would actually do a re-airing on Saturday mornings, and they moved just exclusively to Saturday mornings. So, See, they might do that. That, that yeah. would be a fantastic idea. Now that uh, the the seven minute preview you're talking about is actually mm-hmm. there every Monday leading up to this, they're releasing uh, these seven minute interstitials. This past Monday, the one that was released was focusing on Sabine, uh, the Mandalorian girl that's part of the team. Now, they did release the first seven minutes of Rebels, if that's what you're talking about, but they also have these four different interstitials that are going to be focusing on each of the characters, and i tell you what, everything I've seen is, has really caused me to turn the corner on the show, and I'm looking more and more forward to Star Wars Rebels. Can, can we also just plug one thing for our good friend Michael Cohen, who sure. is doing the Rebels podcast? Sure, plug away. Uh, rebelspodcast.com, that's his new podcast that he's doing. He's doing a lot of podcasts, and you can follow it on Twitter at Rebels Podcast, and it's also on Facebook um, as well. Well, you're a better friend of Michael than I am. <laughs> what? No, no, no. no. I, it's, I, you know, I just, I just, I, I listened to his episode. I listened to the, the one you were on, too, and it's, I think it's going to be a good show. He does like, a lot of good work uh, within the podcast community. Michael has a great way of thinking about Star Wars and stuff, and um, and he's and he's brought out to me several points about things before in times past where, um, where it's just really kind of helped me solidify some opinions and think about some things differently. Uh, spending some time in line with him, waiting for George Lucas, nothing like it, my man. We we were up yeah. all night outside of Star Wars Celebration Five, waiting on Lucas, and and uh, good times with him. Uh, snippet. The first official image has been released from Ant-Man, and it's just a picture of Paul Rudd in front of the Golden Gate Bridge. This image screams so much Ant-Man that I can't even contain myself. Yeah. This Im- I was so bored by this image. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what is this? I'm like, okay, I know it's just one image. I'm sorry, but... This is the first image we decided to release? Yeah. You know, I think what they did this for is, 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 I think the reason is twofold. Number one, so many of, uh, you know, like Avengers is is based in New York. Hulk took place mainly in New York. The Iron Man movies were kind of all over the place. Um, I think they're just kind of giving you an idea of where the setting's going to be for this thing. You know, that's fine. Cap 2 is in D.C. He ended up in New York at the end of Cap 1 kind of thing. But I also think there's been a lot of questions about how is Paul Rudd playing in a superhero movie. Um, and, uh, you know, the guy from Anchorman. I've, I've actually had people ask me that in real life. And uh, and I think they're just kind of trying to show, well, this is a different, you know, guy than maybe what you're used to seeing. Um, it's also just a way of saying, hey, here's our first steal. We're filming. 
you know, movie studios do this all the time. I just thought it was worth bringing up. Ant Man. Oh, I, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to knock you down because um, so I, I, I'm excited about Ant Man, and I was by no means. I wasn't trying to knock you down. I think it's good that you brought it up. It's just that if you're asking me what I feel about this image, it's just that if I, if someone would tell me. What what movie do you think this is for? I'm like I have no idea. Yeah, is it about is it I about uh, an indie movie where he's he's homeless? He doesn't look homeless, but he but he looks very sad. He looks very like he doesn't re- look like someone who would become a superhero. Like Paul Rudd, I think he will make an amazing Scott Lang and an Ant Man, but this image t- tells me nothing. All right, which I which could be the point. Um, I you know of all the Marvel movies that have come out since Iron Man, this is probably the one I'm least excited for. So, I, that's something that me and my co-host has. Uh, one of my co-hosts on the Helicopter Podcast, Nikki. She's you know she. We were very disappointed when Edgar Wright departed the project because yeah. that was one of the main reasons we were excited about the movie. But let's see how this goes. I'm gonna be cautiously optimistic. Well, it's not even about the Edgar Wright thing. It's about the whole Ant Man character. Ant Man to me doesn't belong in his own movie. He belongs as a member of the Avengers. Um, what they're doing with Hank Pym and him being kind of an older person. Now, granted, apparently there's going to be a lot of flashbacks in this. There's going to be some Howard Stark. There's going to be some of uh, uh, Robert Redford's character from Cap 2 in this. And you know, Oh, really? Mm-hmm, that's what I've understood will be happening. So um, that, that would be a very nice way to have, you know, because he's such a great actor that, you know, it's, it's a shame that he killed him off so soon. Mm. Uh, I wasn't ashamed at all. I was glad to see him die, man. Well, he's Hydra, so of course yeah. it was good. But but he's a, like it would it would be nice to learn how he got in touch with Hydra. Yeah. Well, apparently, I don't think we're going to get into any of that. I think that uh, what you're going to get into is is kind of Hank Pym's connections with Shield and that sort of thing, and uh, and and kind of get some of his backstory. So as we as we get to know Scott Lang, you know, being Ant Man and that. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, how it takes shape and, and how it shapes up. I, you know, I feel like this is one of those things that Marvel's kind of... This is more than any other property that they've done. I feel like this is kind of one they got stuck with because of the whole Edgar Wright thing. He'd been pushing for years to have this done. And and then once they start, they bring him on and start doing it, it you know, it becomes a thing where, um, for better or for worse, look, we've got our we've got our system in place and this is how we're doing things. And they just didn't line up with it. They split amicably. There wasn't any anger or anything. It just was like, look, okay, that he saw it wasn't going to work out. They saw it's not going to work out. And they're like, all right, see you down the road. So, yeah. But anyhow, just 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 worth mentioning. You can find that uh, that online. I know ComingSoon.net had posted it in other places. I, I think there's actually a post about it on the Geek Out Loud Facebook page at Facebook.com/slash/GeekOutLoud. And finally, a little bit of Shield news, Andy. Ooh. Adrian Palicki, is that how you say her name? Palicki, Palicki. I, I think that's it, Palicki. She was the fake Kara from uh, the end of season three on Smallville. Um, <laughs> sure was, Steve. She is she is making her way to Marvel's Agents of Shield, and she'll be playing Mockingbird. Mockingbird, yes. So I, it's a great look. She is a great person to look at, and um, she's a good actress. Adrian, uh, you know, I, I was kind of sad to see her Wonder Woman thing go by the wayside i know a lot of people were kind of not too keen on what they'd seen out of some of those the pilots the leak stuff and all but uh yeah i saw the whole thing and i that those are 42 minutes i will never get back really it was that bad i don't want to talk about it okay it's 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 
can I, can I say something that happens in it? Like, sure. I don't yeah. Care. I mean, I mean, she it's, she she, ki- she kills someone in the pilot, and it's a very random kill of a bad guy, and she's like the she's like a Tony Stark persona. She has like three identities, and there's one scene where she's arguing about her action figures because she's not happy about her lady parts on th- how it's been done on the action figure. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, one of the most iconic female characters is complaining about her breast about her breasts on um, the action mm-hmm. figure i it's i cried because it was it was mortifying to yeah. i was like david A. kelly never never get in touch with a combo project again okay i'm done with my rant okay well i i like the suit that she had as wonder woman in the show i, I a lot of people were kind of dogging on it but i thought that oh, looks good um but she's going to be mockingbird on agents of shield uh this was already teased to us from comic-con with the Pat Oswalt mm-hmm. thing that uh, they did for Hall, it was uh, for, for bottom twenty. It's it's I I, I hope one day that she, that Shield will get Hall H. They should have gotten in the for the pilot because they screened a pilot at Comic Con as mm-hmm. a surprise uh, or quote unquote surprise, ding ding. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, I think they should have done it at Hall H. But hope, hope fingers crossed one day they will get Hall H. Well, you know it's uh, it's all right. It's it's uh. It was a cool announcement. It's cool to see someone you know who is very familiar from the comic books coming into Agents of Shield, and she's someone that fits. and uh, And I think Adrian Palicki is a great choice to be playing her. I think she is. I think she's very talented. I I liked her in everything I've seen, uh, although the, aside from one, but she you know it, she wasn't a problem. It was a script, right? But uh, I and I think she has the the physiques, and I think she's like you said, she's very beautiful, right? And I think she's someone that will like. We don't know what her relationship is going to be like with Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye in the movies because in the comic books, guys, they're together. They're actually married at some point. But we don't know what the status is. But, you know, I think that Mockingbird is a... From what I've heard, Mockingbird is a character that a lot of people wanted to see in the Marvel Marvel Universe. And I think it's great that they're adding some... Um, some some big character names to the show. You know, we, yes. we have... You know, we have... Um, we have Mockingbird coming in. We have Alfonso Man McKenzie. We, you know, we have some Shield characters coming in mm-hmm. from the comic books. You know, even though they're small, you know, they're still co- comic book characters. You're going to flesh out them a bit more on the show. But I think a lot of people are excited about Mockingbird. She's a str- strong female character, from what I've heard. And um, my co-host is she was super excited when she heard about it. And um, and I, you know, she. I'm happy that they're doing this. I'm happy that Kevin Feige actually allowed Jeff Loeb, who is the president of Marvel Television, to actually use this character because. Not every A-list character needs to be on the big screen. Right, I agree. I agree, and I think it. Uh, I think well, and I think what she does by coming in, it, it really helps. Kind of, I think it, even though she's not been on the big screen, I think it helps bridge some gaps between uh, some of the disconnect between Shield and, and some of the comic book stuff that I had as a viewer uh, in that in the early part of the first season. Now. I, I didn't want to skip over this because I did love Adrian as Tyra in Friday Night Lights. Um, God, I love that show. Friday Night Lights was a wonderful show, and, and she as Tyra was great. And she was Lady J in G.I. Joe Retaliation. I liked her so, there, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And we know she's going to be appearing in Episode 5 with the potential to return, as the Hollywood Reporter says, although I she she will be back in more episodes, guys. I I can tell you that. I, although I don't know inside sources, I just have a feeling that she's going to be part of a, a lot in in the show yeah. now steve let me ask you this if it's okay okay um now how familiar are you with mockingbird 
Uh, you know what? I remember Mockingbird primarily from her days on the west coast of Avengers um, with with Hawkeye and Iron Man was around and uh, a few other people. Um, so you know, I'm vaguely familiar with her. Okay, so because I'm I have zero intel on her. I mm-hmm. I, read, I just bought a, a huge. Um, there was a mini series of Hawkeye Mockingbird that I bought. But I want to ask you, what is it that make makes her such a huge favorite? Because is it how she's written or is she like what like what is it that people love so much about her? it's not a criticism i'm just interested in, gen- yeah. in, I d- in general. see i don't know i don't know that people do love her i think the excitement is here's someone from the comic books proper coming into this show um that which is not to say that every i feel like every character is somebody's favorite um well, I know a lot of people love Mockingbird. Like mm-hmm. even before she was, like even before we knew that she was going to come in, a lot of people, you know, said that they love Mockingbird uh, from the comics and so on. So yeah. I'm like, is there something in the comics that they are, that they love about her? Is it that she, how she's written? Is it how she interacts with Hawkeye, or is it like that she's such a strong female character that? Is well, I mean, I, I think she's definitely a strong female character. And again, I didn't know her from Shield stuff. I knew her from West Coast Avengers. And, okay. uh, and, you know, and like I say, with she and Hawkeye, they had a, um, a, a four issue miniseries back in the early eighties that I remember seeing in back issue bins, um, back in the day when I was collecting comics in late eighties, early nineties. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and so, but I definitely remember the West coast Avengers run or the Avengers West coast, however you want to say it. Um, I know that she came back during the secret invasion stuff and, uh, in, in, in and she was one someone that had been taken by the scrolls and um and so I don't know and I haven't read a lot recently um to kind of know how she's being portrayed in the comics nowadays but mm-hmm. uh but I know she's just been around she's one of these characters that's just been around for years and years and years and years and years and um and so you know I don't again I think that the excitement that people are and I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't talked to everyone who's excited about it, but I, but I think that a lot of the excitement comes from this is a character who's at least fami- that people are at least familiar with from the comic books coming into a show where we wanted to see more familiar comic book names step in, such as this is, yeah. Glenn Talbot. Hang on. Yeah, Glenn Talbot, and he will be back in the season premiere by the played by the phenomenal Adrian Pastar and his fake mustache. And mm-hmm. um, that was, so, I'm sorry, that was so fake. Don't you agree? I mean, he looked like Glenn Talbot from the comics, though. Although, but you could tell the mustache was, you know, it wasn't real. Uh, okay. Did I did I break your heart? No. Okay. I just never I never thought about it. Okay. Well, my bad. I was so excited that Glenn Talbot was there. I didn't think about his mustache being real or not. Well, he was well portrayed, and I think he. I, th- I think I want to see him a lot this season. Actually, I think there needs to be some military and U.S. involvement with you know the n- the new shield that is coming up. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we can see him in um in Hulk free. Oh, come on! Don't but one you, day will don't happen. Tease me. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Well, Andy, uh, you know we wanted you to come on, and, and you had a great time at Comic Con as we move out of the snippets here. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about your Comic-Con experience. Let's talk about Comic-Con, man. I, I know you're excited to do so. Um, now, you slept on the streets. 
Yes, I did. <laughs> Proudly, I slept on the streets because I couldn't afford a hotel. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, uh, in my defense, a lot of people sleep on the street at Comic Con. You date line up for yeah, bottom twenty oh, or yeah. you know the floors and so you know the the floor room and so yeah. on. So I, I was happy to do. it. I got to meet a lot of nice people, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it. I f- it's also nice because you know San Diego has such a cool weather during the night. So mm-hmm. I'm. I felt I felt it was pretty cool. Cool. Now you uh, you went actually as as press, didn't you? I went as press for um, the the TV. I work for TVOverMind dot com. Okay. Which, uh, if I may just say, it's a it's a great website. I think we I think our staff. I, even though I don't know a lot of the staff members, um, that's one of my goals this season. I'm going to try to get to know more of the writers because. Um, as of October, I it's it's going to be a, a complete year for me on mm-hmm. that website. Oh wow! So um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's um, it's a huge deal. It's um, one of the best things I've done in my life. I think um, since graduating high school. Wow. Okay. Well, TVOverMind.com. So you went, uh, and you're writing for them. I'm writing from them. Okay. And uh, so now, what was your Comic Con is- experience? You didn't get to spend time. In Hall H, a lot of panels and stuff, from what I understand. Not this year. Um, I did the thing that I that crossed my mind because I thought um, on Friday afternoon, that's when the Shield and Agent Carter press junket was going to take place, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, it's going to happen before the the panels. So I won't be able to line up. And I won't be able to, you know, you know, I won't be able to. I can line up. I will, I'm going to have to exit the line at some point mm-hmm. and then just go to the press junkets. But then someone pointed out, hey, Andy, they the panels happen first. I'm like. Oh, this is such a huge relief because mm-hmm. I like I you know because I wasn't able to be, go, be able to go to any panels not the Arrow panel on Friday or even the big DC television panel on Hall H and right. on Saturday, so Angel Shield and Angel Carter were the two panels I got to attend mm-hmm. and I got to attend a bunch of other panels during the day but I was just waiting for Shield and Angel Carter and right. I had a great time. Well, good, good. Now. With, with the press junkets, who were some people that you got to be in press junkets with? Uh, I got to interview, um, let's see now, I got to talk to the cast of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter first on Friday. So on Agent Carter, we had Haley Atwell, who plays Agent Piggy Cardi. Yeah. Uh, Carter. <laughs> Cardi. Carter. And um, we also had executive producers Christopher McFeely and Stephen Marcus, I think. Um, I may have mixed up the names, but they are the writers of First Avenger. Winter Soldier, and they're writing the third one, and they also wrote the script for Agent Carter, and we also okay. had um, we also had Jeff Loeb, uh, although he didn't he didn't do a lot of um, Agent Carter stuff. He that was up to them showrunners uh, Tara Butters and Michelle Fasikas, who runs Resurrection, and mm-hmm. also we had Luis D. Esposito, who is the pilot director and executive producer. So those are the one I got to talk to. Um, I was most excited to talk, talk to about to talk to Haley because mm-hmm. you know she's the star of the show. Right. But you know I I, lo- I like to talk to the writers especially. Um, I'm still knocking my on myself because I kind of because the thing was our pre- the press for those two for those two shows got delayed because Batman Assault on Arkham was still going on. Okay. So by the time we got in, we had like. Eight, he had to go fast, Steve. We only got three minutes each with each talent. So, like, they, you know, they came to our table. You had to, like, keep, you know, ask your question, then let the next one and the next one. So, and then try to get another question in and so on, like, in three minutes. So, that was, like, that wasn't what I imagined at first. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I only got to ask, like, one question each to all them. Right. Agent Carter people. And I kind of blew my one question to the showrunners, the female showrunners, because... The thing is with Marvel, you can't like they can't tell anything. So like, even if you ask, like I asked, I asked them this: 
what's what other female characters in the Marvel universe would you like to see interact with Peggy? And they said, we have we have a few in mind. And I said, any examples? And they said, we can't tell you. And it's like when you're transcribing that to text, I was like, what an idiot I am. <laughs> I was I, I was like, you're not so like you know better. Like you you even bash Marvel uh, openly on your shield pocket for their their, their poor publicity uh, marketing. Right. And um. And so, so I was I was disappointed with myself for that, but I had a better time with, uh, with, um, with Age of Shield though. I got to talk to the, the, the longest interview I had. And by the way, these guys, if you check out those interviews on TV, remember they they are not exclusive interviews. Like they are part of a roundtable discussion. I only descri- transcribed the parts that I asked and I got answers to. Um, I didn't bother at, um, transcribe other stuff that other reporters or I mean other writers or so on were right. doing. You all right there? Yeah, I I, I, just, I had a hiccup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like, yeah, I mean, I, like I, you just stopped. You're like, I didn't do this, guys. There were other reporters asking questions. I didn't write it down. I didn't do. I didn't write what they were asking me to do. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Okay. Well, now, so so you're doing these press junkets and everything. What did you get to see outside of the press junkets that that just kind of got you jazzed and fired up? Um. I. During Thursday, I spent a lot of time at um, at the at the floor. I got to meet. I got. I met some of my friends uh, who were there at Artist Alley. Um, one of my friends is actually owns, owns their own combo company. So I I went by and bought some books. Um, I I bought two Flash T-shirts and mm-hmm. I saw, you know, because it's been a couple of days, um, a couple of weeks now. I I'm I'm starting to fade away. But like the thing was, I only spent like a proper amount of time in the exhibit floor one day then on sunday i didn't do that much i was there for a few, i was there in, for three hours and then i was upstairs the whole time because i was exhausted yeah yeah um but i you know i hang out with some friends and uh, uh and so on and um, the, the biggest thing that was important to me was wednesday night which mm-hmm. was preview night which i when i finally got to see the flash pilot and the costing pilot okay let's talk a little, let's not spoilery of course yeah, that, that we we can do that off air, you and I, because I still I still have some things I need to discuss with you regarding okay. the pilot. All right. Well, let's talk about what you saw first with the Flash pilot. What did you think? Are you more excited? Were you kind of disappointed? Do you think that this show's got some no pun intended legs for it? Uh, based on what Ten you saw, seasons and a movie. You think so? Uh, I will tell this to everyone. Um, this is not going to spoil anything, but I'm just going to say this. If there's if you if you can if you can only pick one new show this fall, only one new show. Pick the Flash, because it is superhero in its gloriness. It is, it has some classic stuff. It has some more modern stuff too. The performances are amazing. It's one of the most amazingly written pilots I've I've ever seen. And um, if you love Arrow. No, it's not going to be my fault if Flash gets canceled. Um, it's it's just as good as Arrow uh, on a different level. It's on a diff- in a different way, though, because mm-hmm. Arrow is a bit more dark, Flash is a bit more brighter. They have a lot of exciting things coming up that has been announced, and I urge you to watch the pilot on Tuesday, October 7th, 8th on the CW. Like, it's, it blew me away because I've the, the trailer was already mind-blowing and the, the, the pilot was just as mind-blowing, so please... Make sure to see, to watch it out. Let's check it out. Yeah, uh, I I was really impressed with it. It has a very Smallville feel to me. 
Um, yes, it does. And, and so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if they if they kind of go with the Smallville formula a little bit in this first season, this, the same kind of formula that Smallville used in its first season. I'm also interested for more crossovers, you know, and I'd like to see even more. I think it'd be really cool to be able to see more superhero shows birthed out of what they're doing with The Flash and with Green Arrow. Um, I, I just think that'd be a really cool concept to 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 continue and i know that you know you don't a, a tv station never wants to get kind of pegged into the well, we're the superhero tv station but um I, i'd say experiment with it for a year or two and see what happens you know because i really think that that, they, that they're onto something new and groundbreaking by not necessarily i mean there've always been shows that are spin-offs of shows and that sort of thing i mean lord happy days had had 1500 different shows spin out of it um but uh but when it comes to the superhero properties and the superhero franchises, you know, they tried a little bit of this with some backdoor pilot stuff back in the late 80s with like The Incredible mm-hmm. Hulk Returns and The Trial of the Incredible Hulk and that sort of thing. But um, <clears throat> but this is the first time I ever remember any show like this being birthed in another show intentionally and, um, you know, and, and, and spawning something like this. And, and I could just, I would love to see uh, even more and more and more and more. Yeah, and you know, if you're looking for a crossovers, then make sure to, to, to tune in uh, for episode eight of both The Flash and Arrow because they're gonna have a major two-hour crossover event that week. Yeah, which was announced at Comic Con. Uh, no, 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 not at the Comic Con. I think it was announced at the TCA actually. Well, now tell me about the Constantine. What did you Constantine? Um. Now, I, I found out that I was watching the second version of the pilot, and I will say that I don't understand why critics have been so harsh on it. I think it's a very... Okay, I'm going to say this, and people who love Supernatural, you're going to probably hate me for this. I tried to watch the first two seasons. I've watched the first three seasons of Supernatural, and I'm... You know, they were. it's a good show, but... The super the the causing pilot, which is kind of, it's you know it's a supernatural show. Right, right. Caught, dragged me in so much better than the supernatural one did. I I when the supernatural I was like okay this is fine I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna keep watching more maybe it will hook me in more, but it really didn't. And um, maybe if I keep watching more seasons whenever I have time I may get into it. But causing it's it's a great pilot. It's the more darker and occult side of the DC universe. Mm-hmm. And you know they announced some very cool stuff. And you know we. Jim Corrigan is going to come to the show, The Spectre. Uh, Papa Midnight was just cast. I don't know who's going to play him. I, I forgot the name. And you know they. Mm. Go ahead. You know I'm not going to. I'm not going to oh. hint too much. Oh, I'm, okay. There was. Actually, I'm, I was going to hint one thing that I saw from the pilot. But although it was, it was revealed in a trailer. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say to anyone who doesn't want to be spoiled. But I. It's going to be on Friday nights at 10 p.m. on NBC, mm-hmm. October 24th. So I. See, how do you feel about Constantine? Have you been able to see it? Uh, no, I've not seen the Constantine pilot. I, I saw the movie. Uh, <laughs> with, wasn't that Keanu Reeves in the Constantine movie a few years back? Uh, that was Keanu Reeves. My sister, like, for some reason, she watched it once per, one, one t- once per year. Uh, like, she's like, oh, really? I love, you guys love Peter Stormer as huh. the devil. I'm like, okay. Well, I, uh, you know, and I've never been a big Constantine fan of the comics, never really read much of him. Uh, for me, comics are always, I need all my superheroes. And that's just, again, that's just me. I'm not saying that comics are only for superheroes. Some people, sometimes when you give your opinions, they, they hear it as though you're saying that your opinion should be theirs. 
but I'm not. I'm just saying that to me, that's why I didn't read G.I. Joe. That's why for the longest time I didn't read like Transformer comics and that sort of thing when I started collecting because I just wanted superheroes in my comic books. And, and so I never really got into the Constantine stuff. Um, and so I'm not as familiar with that character. Now, when you start talking the Spectre and, and that sort of, I'm like, ooh, you know, that, that kind of, yeah, no, no, no. you had to do like this. Ooh. Okay. Well, yeah, that piques my interest, but, um, so, but I did like the trailer. I thought the trailer, you know, it, there's some good quips in there. There's some good stuff in there. And, and I, uh, you know, I, I, it's something I'll definitely be checking out, you know. And I can also say that, that the, um, the composer of the show is Bear Nick McNair. And, oh, wow. Uh, who is doing Age of S.H.I.E.L.D. too? And he's doing Constantine now. Yeah, Bear McCreary. Bear Man, McCreary, he, he's, he's, a, he's amazing. He's a prolific TV uh, composer. Composer, yeah. I mean, he's done some good stuff. Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, um, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, man. He did that. Gosh, him and Shirley Manson worked together on that Samson and Delilah song, which is just amazing to listen to. Um, it is it, the way they incorporate not just the orchestral stuff he does, but there's also the Terminator theme that you can kind of feel in there, plus her singing that Samson. Oh, my gosh. So. Bear McCreary, great, great, yeah. great, yeah, great, get. great composer. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, I was very happy with the pilots. Uh, Flash, you know, because I'm I'm doing the Flash, I've been waiting for this pilot for so long, so I was more happy with it. But I I still say, Constant is still a great show. I'm gonna watch it. I'm I'm gonna cover all the comic book shows this year on TV or mine. So it's 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 gonna be a rich year for all those comic book fans. And you know, it's it, you know the thing that was so special for me was that after seeing the pilot, I, you know. On Saturday, I got to actually go to the, not just the Arrow Junket, but I also got to go to the Flash Junket. Oh, wow. How'd that go for you? It was... Okay, I need... This is an emotional part for me, because there were so many great moments in there. And there's one I really want to talk about that I'm... I've told this to a lot of uh, my friends. I think uh, I, I know Wu is here in the chat. I think I've told him um, about it because he he will know what what this means to me. Um, uh, I think I told him at least. If I didn't, Wu, I'm sorry. But um, um, so the actress who plays Iris West, Candace Patton. Do, do you remember her, mm-hmm. Steve? Of course. From the pilot. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good. Um, and um, she came to our table. You know, we were doing roundtable discussions um, and in a roundtable interviews. So she came to our table. She sits down, and I start asking the first question. And as I'm asking the question, Steve, she interrupts me politely, and she says, "Wait, don't I know you?" And sw- Steve, I swear to God, my jaw was in up in the galaxy with Rocket Raccoon. I was like mind blown that this was possibly happening. So I was like, maybe. Have you heard my voice before? Because I, I, there's no like because I know she follows the podcast on Twitter, but I don't think I ever posted an image of myself on Twitter. Right. So I, so I asked her, "Have you heard me on? Have you heard my voice before?" And she said, "Don't you have a podcast?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm the Flash Podcast." She's like, "Oh, so nice to meet you." And I'm like, "I I love her even more now." <laughs> like I'm like, "Oh my god, yeah, this is the most." Ex- amazing experience ever and like once we were done with the interview she went back she was passing by our table again and i said um hey miss pat it was so nice to meet you thank you so much for recognizing me it made my cotton and she said are oh, you welcome it, it was so nice to meet you too and um and she like she patted me on the shoulder and so and then she went away i was like and because the table was full of guys i i i, I, I sat back on the table and i was like oh my god and everyone was laughing. They're like, "Dude, are you all right?" I'm like, I, "I need a moment, guys. Like, this is huge for me because 
she is not only beautiful, but she is talented. She's good, like the Hollywood Reporter said back in February. She's going to be the next big thing. Yeah. That's how great she was in the pilot. And so the fact that a busy woman and talented woman like her would even have time to listen. Like, I think she must have listened to some part of the pilot at least. Um, because I guess that's the only way she would recognize me. And I was like, how does she have time? Like, it makes it like it, it made me cry inside. Like, I it's a memory I'm going to keep for forever. Like, yeah. I'm going to memorize as much as I can. I have it on tape because I was using a crap camera to record my stuff and I have it on audio too. So it's, it was a very fun, it was a very beautiful moment for me. The, um, you know, it, it is, it's amazing when, when you have people who are involved in these things actually listen to what you're doing. I know that, you know, when we, uh, when we were doing sky next and Brian Austin green emailed us and said, Hey, I've been listening. You guys are doing a great job. It, we were, we were blown away. It was amazing. And so, and that's one of the neat things about this whole podcasting thing is it'll open up doors like that sometimes when that you don't even know we're there to be opened. And so that's awesome, dude. That's an amazing story. That is great. So yeah, that's, it, it, would you say that was your biggest Comic-Con moment? I think so. Even though I did get to meet the Flash himself, like after mm-hmm. he came, after we were, he was done at our table and he was taking photos with some people and I was like, if I just ask politely, maybe he'll say yes. So I asked him, like, can I take a selfie with you? And I was so bad with it. So he was like, I, he just took took the phone out of my hand and said, he, I will do it. I'm like, he just touched my phone. <laughs> like, that's, I'm such a creeper. I'm sorry. So he took the selfie. And I then, I, the biggest moment was that I, I was able, even though I was there for TV, room, I was not planning on plugging my pockets. And so I, I politely said to him, hi, I'm Andy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm from the Flash podcast. And he said, nice to meet you. Nice to, And I said, nice to meet you too. And, you know, so like, you know, I'm. I love Arrow, but I'm just ex- excited for the Flash and getting to yeah. meet him as well. I, and then I, I got to shake hands with the original Flash and like Steve. For some reason, like shaking his hand was like meeting the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 amazing because I mean, well, these are people that you admire and you're looking forward to, to seeing their work and you've seen some of their work already. And so, yeah, it's 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 a cool cool situation. So, oh, well, Jason asked me who are we talking about. Who did Andy meet? Um, a lot of people, Jason. A lot of people. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but and I, you know, I took a few photos with some of the other. Um, I took one more with uh, Tom Cavan, and then I, in the Arrow Junket, I took one with Stephen Amell and Willa Holland. So like, you know, they're up on my Facebook page. I may, I may post it on Twitter at some point so everyone can see. But no, but like, I think those were like the Flash Junket was the biggest one for me because, you know, this is a show I'm, you know, I'm gonna podcast about this, you know, for many right. years hopefully. Right. Along with you, Steve, on Starkville Labs, uh, you and Steve, Derek are going to do Starkville Labs um, soon, and I, I can't wait for the first episode. So I'm, I'm looking forward to be part of the Flash podcast community with you guys. And um, you know, so it's like, and you know, I don't know if you saw that long Facebook post I posted um, a few weeks ago, but like this was a huge step for me in my career because. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a reporter, and that's what I want to become. But I still have a lot of steps left to take i have a lot of training to get so you know this was a huge moment for me i got to actually put some of my experience and knowledge into use well that's awesome that is that's a cool experience man and i tell you what you uh you know andy you're a nice guy you're a great guy and you deserve all the great moments that you can get when you go to these kind of things so i'm really excited for you and that went well and and uh you know as always man i i thank you for coming on the show i thank you for your support of the show uh, thank been, you for letting been, me come on. I, yeah, I would love. I would love to come on anytime. 
Well, we'll probably get you back around the time. We'll see. We'll see what happens around the time that Flash and Constantine come out. We may bring you in for a quick minute or two on some of those things. Oh, cool. Thank you. So. And um, no, once again, I really enjoy being here, and I, I think you do a great job with with the whole whole network. I think um, it's it, it brings in uh, so many people that are you know that are nerds, and then you know they can actually listen to something that it makes them feel good about it and so on like you know you know like you said even though we may disagree on some things and so on like you can still enjoy it and be happy with it so um keep on rocking steve you know you're you are the best well i appreciate it sir hey guys you can listen to andy on the flash podcast at www.theflashpodcast.com and you can also listen to him talk marvel's agents of shield on the helicarrier podcast at www.helicarrier.com podcast.com don't forget to follow us all on twitter geek out loud is at geek out loud i'm at steve glosson uh andy what are the what are your twitter feeds for the flash podcast and helicarrier podcast uh the twitter feeds are for the flash podcast uh, at the flash podcast simple as that uh the um, the shield one uh, it actually got a change a few months ago so it's now at shield radio okay and my twitter account is if i can just plug it quickly of course. at, at andy bebacht and b-e-h B A K H T. That's right. Uh, oh, there's an H between the K and the T. Oh, is no there? Or is that right? That, that's right. Okay, that, and, right. Okay, Andy Babot uh, on on Twitter. A N D Y B E H B A K H T. You can also go to Facebook.com/slash/GeekOutLoud. That's where you can find the Geek Out Loud postings over that way. And of course. Uh, go to geekoutonline.com to sign up for the Goal Insider newsletter. Read the Goaliverse Wall of Fame. Find you and your superpower on there if you're a Patreon supporter. Here's the link to buy t-shirts. And, of course, the Amazon link is at geekoutonline.com. And by buying stuff on Amazon through that link, you really help the show out. And, clear um, your cookies. Yeah, clear your cookies and do that, and it helps the show back. We get a little taste of that. The email is geekoutonline at gmail.com, Online at gmail.com and if you want to support us on patreon head over to patreon.com slash geek out loud and you can be a show, a show supporter on a regular basis we got big new plans for the exclusive patreon podcast we'll get some details coming soon andy thank you so much you did a great job co-hosting tonight oh, thank you and you know it's it's an honor it's a huge honor it's um, one of my it's gonna be my one of my favorite things of this year well the honor has been on mine sir it's always good to have you on and i'm sure we'll talk to you on the big honking show on friday night of course. What would a Friday night on the Big Hunger Show be without the face in the window? That's right. That's right. Ooh. We are a proud member of the Shot Glass Digital Network at shotglassdigital.com. Check us out over there and all the fine programming they have at Shot Glass Digital. Until next time, I'm Steve. And I'm Andy. Yes, you did it. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. <laughs>